Well, some of you may know that my wife and I belong to, and most of our family, a group of people known the world around as Savoyards. And without getting into all that, it means that we are great lovers of the um, light operas of Gilbert and Sullivan. Um, uh, Meccano, Iolanthe, HMS Pinafore, Ruttigore, The Pirates of Penzance, Gondoliers, and seven others. Um, the very clever late Victorian humor, which tickles us, and uh, the amazing music of these operas have actually captured the heart of people, millions of people all over the world. So, when we go to a production of a Gilbert and Sullivan opera, which we do almost every year um, as a sort of pilgrimage, uh, the first thing that happens is they start up the, the overture. Now, an overture weaves together all of the snips and portions, or most, most of them, and choruses, the solos, the duets, the trios, the quartets, that are a very big part of the operas. And, and as we sit there and we listen, we get more and more and more excited um, uh, because uh, we love the, 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 the dialogue and we, and we love all these wonderful tunes that we know and, uh, and they just keep whetting our appetite for, for more and, we, and as it goes on we, we, we get so excited and we can't wait for the, for the curtain to rise and the whole silly riotous story to begin. Well, that by way of, of, of sort of introduction to tell you that over the next uh, weeks and months, we're going to look at the stories of the great heroes of the faith that are listed in Hebrews 11. And so this evening is an introduction, this evening is an overture to the faith of these amazing men and women. And, and I hope that it will whet your appetite a little for what is to come. So you'll want to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11, where we'll read the first three verses. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, uh, beginning at the first verse, and reading through verse 3. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, and the conviction of things not seen. For by it, people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Well, this, um, this short, classic um, definition of faith uh, is not a complete uh, definition. The, the writers uh, give us just this very brief definition of faith to begin with, and then they proceed to illustrate it uh, in some detail throughout the chapter using the lives of men and women of the faith. And by the time we're finished the study, we should have a, um, a, a pretty good idea of what faith is all about, and also, I think, be challenged uh, and encouraged in our own personal faith. So we begin this evening with the first three-verse overture. Um, and we begin with this short definition of faith. Um, and uh, that's uh, my first point, the definition of faith. And in the first verse, God the Holy Spirit, who is the ultimate author of Scripture, 
um, and all these words, starts off by telling us two important things about faith. Uh, the writer admits that faith, the faith of which he's speaking, uh, is all about things that cannot be seen. And he gives two reasons. First of all, um, they're unseen because they're in the future. Uh, we should understand that when it says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for. They're in the future. Remember that hope, as used um, in much of the rest of Scripture and here, doesn't mean something that's uncertain, something we would wish would happen, but there's no certainty of it. For example, uh, I hope that my wife brings hope in a gallon of chocolate ice cream tonight, but she probably won't. That's not the meaning here at all. Uh, rather, uh, faith as the assurance of things hoped for refers to those things that have not yet happened to us. Uh, we've not experienced them yet. They've not yet come into our lives. Uh, but we know that they will come. In other words, faith, for one thing, reflects on something that at least in part is in our future as Christians. For example, we have promises of heaven. We have promises of being with Jesus. Um, uh, you know, at our death. Not right now, but we, because we can't see heaven, but we look forward to it. I look forward to a new resurrection body, to the day when the Lord will return. And whether I come to him and with him, rather, in a disembodied state, or whether I'm found here on earth in my earthly body, I know that one day I'll be wonderfully changed. Uh, I have faith in this. I, I can't see it yet, because it's in the future, but I I believe it. I firmly and fully expect it. I have assurance of this, too. That's what the text says. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and expected. Um, that's what the text says. And these are things that are unseen, but they're not unknown. They're not uncertain. I have assurance of them. It's not something that's unbelievable. It's not something that requires some sort of silly leap of faith in the dark, hoping against hope that will fall into the arms of a loving God in a wonderful place called heaven. Uh, the, the noun translated here as assurance uh, is intended to communicate to us the idea of a firm confidence or guarantee. We might even say faith serving as a title deed or proof uh, that we have in the promises of God. Other translations render this as faith being, uh, as being sure of what we hope for. Or faith is the substance of what we hope for. And again, not something unknown, but something, first of all, that's in the future, something I've not yet experienced, of which I have a deep personal sense of assurance. Now, the second part, of this first verse tells us more. Our faith is uh, for um, unseen for a second reason. Not only is it um, unseen because it um, focuses significantly on the future, but, uh, but also because it's concerned with or focused upon things that are significantly spiritual and not visible. We're a people that get off on the idea of spiritual things because we see them in the Bible. Uh, faith is the conviction of things not yet seen. And one of the reasons that we're called to walk by faith and not by sight, uh, 2 Corinthians 5-7, is because some of the most powerful and some of the most significant, some of the most exciting, and some of the most important realities 
uh, in, this, in this world, in this life, are things we simply can't see. Uh, because they're spiritual in nature. We, we, there's lots of things that, that fall in this category, by the way. We don't see the air. We don't see, uh, we don't see gravity. Um, and yet, uh, these are powerful realities that we, uh, that we have to accommodate ourselves to. And uh, much in the same way, we don't see God or angels or demons, but we read about them in the Bible and we sense them in various ways. And um, we order our, our lives and our words and our thoughts and deeds to account for them, to accommodate them one way or another. And the Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Romans, reminds us that, uh, that God's invisible qualities their attributes, and namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen uh, uh, because, uh, and clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world because uh, in, in things that have been made so that we are without excuse. In other words, God regards it to be absolutely inexcusable for every man or any man or woman not to believe or to order their lives in light of the reality of his power and his attributes, his holiness, his love. Um, and in his letter to the, um, to the Ephesians, he reminds us that our struggles are, are not against flesh and blood, or, uh, not against uh, only those, uh, 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 our, just our sin, but, but invisible realities, but against the cosmic powers of darkness and spiritual forces of evil. And sometimes you may even get a sense of this. Uh, sometimes you may have a dark sense uh, because of God's spiritual work in your life. It's, it's very subjective, but it's nonetheless true. These are unseen. They're not visible to the eye. They, they, they may register no effect on our five senses, but we have faith in their reality. We speak of Jesus, a wonderful text. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with a glorious hope. Um, well, that's because um, we, we know these things. They, and they're part of our lives. And we have a resolute confidence in these realities. And, and they live. Uh, we live and we order our lives in light of these facts of promises and places that are yet to come, of realities that we can't see, God himself, even the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, so to live a life of faith, for example, uh, means that we live our lives in the light of future realities of heaven and hell. It also means that we forgive our enemies because we love and fear God and because we believe in the spiritual unseen reality that he's forgiven our sins. And so we can forgive others. Now, the unbelieving world that doesn't live by faith will not alter their lives to account uh, for any of that. They have no future hope and they have no expectations and they have no, un no understanding of unseen spiritual realities. And so they actually live like a man who's running full speed, headlong, into this huge mountain-like boulder in the middle of the room. And, and they're struck, and they fall back, and, uh, and, and, um, and then they, they struggle to explain or to outright deny that that ever happened to them at all. They refuse uh, to give any credence 
to something they cannot immediately see or touch or smell or, 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 or taste um, and somehow prove according to the current state of science and culture. Which, incidentally, is very intellectually dishonest of them since they accommodate their lives to many unseen things. You know, they, they, they accommodate their lives to gravity, for example. Well, the Christian, on the other hand, <coughs> reads in Hebrews 11.1, 1, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And by the grace of God, he says to himself, I'll go with that. That makes sense to me. God tells me there are boulders out in front of me and not to run into them. And I believe it. I live my life in light of that. There are certain things that I'm not going to do. I don't necessarily understand it, but I believe God's word and I trust in him. Well, I think then we can move on to the second verse. I think you understand now how important it is in this life and death to have faith and to live by faith. And really, that's my second point, the importance of faith. The first being an introduction to faith. The second being the importance of faith. If you look at the second verse, we read this. For by it, that is by faith, the people of old received their commendation. Or as it says in the New American Standard Version, for by it men of old gained approval or gain divine approval, as the RSV has it. <clears throat> That's to say that by their testimony of faith, by their confession of faith, these Old Testament saints were received by God. Now, by their faith, they gained approval and the blessing of God. In the remainder of the chapter, we'll be introduced uh, to example after example of people who gained happy approval of God by their faith. Uh, take, for example, Abraham. Uh, God gives Abraham this incredible promise that he's basically going to build his church from one descendant into a nation, ultimately into a church. Uh, and and his, all of his spiritual descendants will one day fill the earth. Genesis 15, 6. And he, God, brought him, Abraham, outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars, if you're able to number them. And then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he, Abraham, believed the Lord, and he, God, counted it to him as righteousness. Now, this is an example of how Abraham lived by faith. He believed the Lord's word to him. Uh, here he was, uh, a man with an old wife, and he an old guy, and, and, and no children. And God says, you know what, I'm going to make your offspring more than even all those millions of stars that you see. And he, and he believed it. He accepted it in faith. And if there's any question in your mind that that's how we're to understand that text in Genesis 15, you've only to look at the divine commentary on the text, on the incident, given to us in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul in Romans 4.3 and Galatians 3.6. The Apostle James in chapter 2, verse 23 of his epistle. All of us, uh, all of which rather quote uh, all those passages quoting from uh, Genesis 15 tell us that by Abraham's faith he was approved by God or saved. These apostles 
together with the writer to Hebrews, were all speaking under the inspiration of God the Holy Spirit. Old Testament and New. The Bible holds together without contradiction for the simple reason that it has ultimately one author. And so we can compare uh, Scripture with Scripture to understand the word and will of God. It's one of the great principles of the Reformation, isn't it? That we understand the harder things by the easier passages. Um, And in this case, we understand that the writer to the Hebrews, what he meant when he was writing to us about the importance of faith. And when he says that that by faith, the people of old received commendation or the approval of God, what he's saying is it was by their faith they were saved. Now, listen to me. The men and women of the Old Testament age did not receive God's approval because they were such smart or morally superior people or because they were very industrious or because they were even very religious. No, the men and women of the Old Testament age were pleasing to God not because of their works but because of their faith. They were saved the same way Abraham was saved, but the same way we're saved, by grace through faith. We need to be clear on this, that no one pleases God without faith. Look at Hebrews 11.6, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. So, how does faith relate to grace? If we need faith to be saved, how do we get faith? Well, ultimately, we all know, I hope, that faith is the gift of God. Uh, faith is freely given to us by the grace of, of God. Uh, this is the clear message of the gospel, and it's the testimony of Scripture from cover to cover. How are we saved? By grace, through faith. Faith are the hands by which we grasp hold of... Uh, uh, grace is the hand, faith is the hands by which we grasp hold of Christ, uh, by his grace. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace you've been saved through faith, not of your own doings, the gift of God, not a result of works that no one should boast. Or Galatians 3.11. It's evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. Well, so yes, um, uh, faith is God's gift. But we're not altogether passive in this. Um, We're commanded to call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. We're exhorted to trust in Jesus and not in ourselves. We we go to people and we say, you you must come to Christ. You must come to Christ. Um, And and we don't don't say, well, you know, maybe you don't have faith. And we understand, you know, not everybody can be cool. (laughs) We don't say that. We tell them to do what we're told to do. And, And yes, it's a gift. But we're not passive. We're... We're challenged uh, continually uh, through the scriptures to live by faith, to exercise faith. Jesus himself, the author and giver of our faith, challenges his apostles, saying, but when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? <clears throat> Hebrews 10 urges us, by, but my righteousness uh, shall live by faith. Uh, by righteousness, my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, My soul will have no pleasure in it. So how do we do this? How do we get faith? Well, that brings me to my last point. We've looked at a definition of faith, and uh, we've looked at um, the importance of faith. Got to have faith. Um, 
But we have in the third verse a helpful illustration of faith in uh, verse 3 of the text. Um, Hebrews answers the question, how do we have faith? How can we live by faith? <clears throat> by or through the testimony of creation uh, by the word. Look at verse 3. Uh, by faith, we understand the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen is not made out of things that are visible. Now that's a, a fascinating verse. It sort of almost seems to pop out out of nowhere. Um, and, and, and it's very instructive. We don't have the time to tease it all out, but for the purposes of this evening, as we uh, look at this prelude to faith, um, this sort of introduction to the rest of Hebrews 11, this much we should notice. The, the writer is clearly thinking about Genesis 1 and 2. Hebrews 11.3 is shorthand for all we learn in those formative two chapters of the Old Testament. And here's the point. Here's why, um, this is why the writer to the Hebrews includes this reference to creation in his third verse. Because divine creation is such a powerful, really irrefutable testimony to our faith. All of creation bears testimony to God. Hebrews 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands day after day. They pour out speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. There's no speech or language where their voice is not heard. There's no place. You can go anywhere you want in the world and look up in the sky and look at God's creation and see the glory uh, and the power of God. Uh, again, the Apostle's letter to the Romans is quoted earlier where he argues that the testimony of creation of the general revelation, as we call it, is so clear that, that every man, that all of us, are without excuse if we faithlessly deny God and his rightful rule over our lives. Everybody looks up at creation and they know there's a God in their heart. And if they deny it, they're simply pushing, they're simply pushing back. They're simply pushing away God. But they know they're wrong. He created us. He owns us. In our hearts, we know that. We, we instinctively, we're made in his image. It's not a duh thing. It's just there. We, we're made in his image and we know it. Now, how do we get faith in God? Well, we, we ask for it. We pray. We say, Lord, I know I'm supposed to have faith. Increase my faith. And then we look up at creation and all of its complexity and all of its glory. And we should see this powerful, unmistakable testimony uh, to his power and his glory and his sovereign care and wisdom. Uh, the fact that he made everything and they made it out of nothing, uh, shouldn't that do something for our faith? Shouldn't that help us to know that we belong to a glorious and powerful creator God? Surely! The God who created and ordered all of creation in an instant can care for me and, and can order my life. The one who loves me, who even sent his son to die for me. The second thing in that regard um, that God has used to, to build our faith, and really the most powerful thing, and it goes with this, of course, is his word. Um, the universe was created, verse 3, by the word of God. 
By the spoken word, God said, let there be light. Let there be vegetation. Let us create man in our own image and likeness. And instantaneously it happened. God spoke creation into being. That's, that's very cool. And, and it makes a lot of sense. Uh, our faith is grounded in the word of God. We read it and we believe it. We trust in it because it's God's spoken word. And God, the Holy Spirit, bears testimony in our hearts. It's the truth. Do you remember that lovely passage? I probably quoted this before. Uh, about how the men come back from the Emmaus Road. And, and, and you know, they, they've been speaking with Jesus. And, and they don't really understand it's Jesus at first. And, um, and, uh, and we're told that he questions them. And, and they, they don't get it. They haven't put two and two together. And, and so we're told that Jesus gives them the most amazing Bible study that ever anyone heard where he takes all these Old Testament prophets and weaves them together for them. And, uh, and then they have lunch together and, and they break bread and Jesus disappears. And they go on their way rejoicing. <laughs> but no, what happens is they say to each other, did not our hearts burn within us when he spoke the scriptures? I hope you, I hope you know that experience as you read the Bible and you know it's God's word and your heart burns and you say, Dag, that's true, that, that's, that's great stuff. Or, or maybe you're deeply convicted by it. But you know it's not like, look, there's all sorts of stuff you can read. I've read the Rick Vedas, I've read the you know, parts of the, of the Koran and, and, and all sorts of literature. And there's some lovely stuff, wonderful stuff out there, some pretty horrible stuff. But, but it doesn't do anything for me. And it doesn't do anything for it because it's not the word of God. And that's the, the testimony of God's people through the ages. Um, our faith, therefore, feeds upon the word. It grows strong from the word. It rests secure in the word. It bears fruit in the word. Um, we can hardly speak about faith and not speak of the word of God. So, in conclusion, let me simply ask Oh, do you have faith this evening? Do you have a faith that, uh, that is sure of what you hope for and certain of what you don't see? We must, you must get this faith. Uh, faith, uh, life without faith in the living God is hard in this age. And, and in the age to come, well, heaven depends upon it. Without, uh, without saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you cannot please God. You can't draw near to God. Without faith in Christ, there's no commendation, but only condemnation for disobedience and hardness of heart. Heaven is, is for believers. Heaven is for those who live by faith. If you have no faith, your course is very clear. You must repent of your blind unbelief and hardness of heart and ask Jesus to save you and give you faith. And join the, the ancient procession of faithful men and women and boys and girls all marching by faith through the ages in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. A glorious procession. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for the gift of faith and thank you for the these beautiful words that remind us of the importance of faith and, and, um, and the accessibility. Lord, you, you give the gift of faith to your people. And we pray that you would build it up in us as we see your hand at work in our lives. Even those things that we don't understand. 
Uh, Lord, we, we trust you for them too. We pray your grace in Jesus' name.